0: Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio Show. Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management has offices in Bend, Eugene, and John Day, serving clients from all over the Northwest. Give us a call today for your free retirement review. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus. If you'd like one of those free retirement reviews our uh, talking head just told you about, uh, give our office a call. One of us will give you an hour of our time. Talking head Frank would love that. One of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. Uh, so if you have at least five hundred thousand dollars of investable assets, call the office uh, to get a free retirement review scheduled eight hundred seven four three zero nine eight eight, or go to our website northwestquadrantwealth.com and send us an email to put the magnificent seven magnificent what did I just magnificent which is the seven biggest companies in the S and P stocks. Uh, So to put it in perspective, uh, so Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Meta have returned 53% year-to-date. So that's their combined uh, performance. The other 493 stocks in the S&P 500 have been flat. Um, Sort of to put it a different way, the S&P 500 is performing the equal-weighted S&P 500 By 12% year-to-date, the largest outperformance on record with data going back to 1990. So to to explain what that means is that uh, the S&P 500, I I said in the last segment, is a market cap weighted index, meaning the bigger you are as a company, the more influence you have on the performance of the index. So Apple is the biggest company in the United States, the biggest company in the S&P, and so has the biggest uh, influence on the performance of the S&P 500, a company that is 300 million in market cap almost has no influence over the market. But if you took the S&P 500 and you equally weighted every single company, meaning uh, Apple has the same performance uh, driver as the smallest company, um, then the S&P 500 is flat year to date. Uh, So if you, you know, the outperformance of the market cap weighted is the most it's ever been, and that I'm setting up this segment uh, in that large cap stocks are the most expensive they have been, especially the biggest of the big here in the United States, are the most expensive they've been. On any gauge you want to look at, price to sales, price to earnings, price to book, whatever you want to look at, uh, these big mega cap names are the most expensive they've been uh, relative to small cap. And so uh, as of late, in the month of June, we have seen a a pretty significant rally in small cap stocks. They're up close to 10%, depending on what index you look at. Uh, And so You know, Josh and I pound the drum on small cap stocks. We pound, pound, pound the drum. So, Josh, uh, before we, we sort of talk further about why small cap stocks, explain what they are. Uh, you know what small cap stocks are, is by definition, and then uh, we want to sort of further drill down to small cap value stocks.
2: Well, uh, small caps have—we've <laughs> talked about this in prior shows—but small caps have a really wide definition now, uh, from a market cap weighting perspective. Uh, depends on the index provider entirely, but we're talking exclusively about names uh, with less than 10 billion in market capitalization. So they're still big businesses, but really 5 billion in Yeah, under. is about sort of the sweet spot. Uh, really, just depends on whether it's Russell or... You know, MSCI, whoever whoever makes the indexes, who's going to but decide? But yeah,
1: comment on that though. Like we say, small, but in most people listening still think of them as big businesses, right? Yep. Yeah,
2: but you know, historically, small caps have what's called the small cap performance premium, which you know intuitively you understand, especially if you're a small business owner, that you can grow revenues and earnings on a smaller business a lot easier than you can on a big business. Uh, look at Apple, for instance. Really tough to move the needle on a two trillion dollar business. They grow earnings, in fact, by buying back their own shares, not because they're growing the Top line, but the point being, you know, small businesses are more economically cyclical. They're more susceptible to the economic ex- cycle. They uh, are more susceptible to the credit cycle. They're more reliant on credit. Uh, they generate less uh, less free cash flow, so they're more more cyclical but the point of owning them of course is that small cap performance premium over the time and the ones that we want to highlight today are small cap value stocks which when you think about what comprises a value stock it's the traditional uh, industrials energy financials those types of sectors businesses that don't trade uh, at these big hefty multiples because they're consistent and reliable in the sense that uh, they grow at a gdp or a little bit premium in the case of a small cap but the big point on small value is the most under-owned under asset class. If you invested a dollar in small value about 50 years ago, uh, it'd be worth 1,200 bucks today. If you invested a dollar in the Nasdaq, it'd be about 200 dollars today. So you got six times the performance uh, over 50 years, which is astonishing when you think about how much time is paid in consideration of the Nasdaq relative to the small value market out there.
1: So, in the interest of full disclosure, Josh and I in our business um we use uh for our small cap value exposure we use uh v- vanguard small cap value v VBR, victor bravo uh Romeo uh, is the symbol of the ETf that we use um you know we just like the characteristics and the index provider for that it's the vanguard uh small cap value index if you and so to think about some of the names like josh mentioned um the the number one holding is ideX uh in there Bungie's in there um Booz Allen Hamilton, which you think of, most of you think of as a big name. You know, they're a big sponsor of golf tournaments and the PGA golf tournaments. So,
2: if you are if you booked a campsite on recreation.gov, Booz, Am- Booz Allen Hamilton
1: is the one collecting those, those camping fees. The federal government does not get them. So they are, they are still established, well established businesses. And when you, you know, when you think of them, Uh, If you saw, you know, if I were to tell you about some of these businesses, you're like, oh, that's a big company. But relative to, say, an Apple, they're they're tiny. I mean, you know, Apple does more in revenue in a day than these companies do in a year, most of them. So they are really small, but that's just – that's exactly the point, right? So there's not much mispricing in the large-cap universe, meaning, you know, there's – Hundreds of analysts that cover cover Microsoft. There's not lots of surprises with Microsoft There are, are a lot fewer analysts that cover these small cap names So there's way more uh, potential for mispricing right where these companies can get mispriced because they're not followed and they're not their way on Their own um, and this is where if you want to add juice to your portfolio This is where it lies small cap and small cap value specifically the up performance premium is dramatic. And, you know, 2% a year over a long period of time can make a huge difference. Now that comes with the cost, right? And the cost is more volatility. So when markets are bad, small cap tend to be worse. So when I say the S&P is, when the S&P is bad. And
2: small cap value, the, the worst of the
1: worst. Yeah, these are the names that really struggle because they have a tough time getting access to credit when credit markets tighten, all of these things. But that the price you pay for better returns over time is that volatility. So for a lot of you, you, you have almost zero exposure. We do these free retirement reviews and we never see small cap, hardly ever. And we almost never, I don't know that I've ever seen specific small cap value. So you're missing out on a huge opportunity, but we're not saying you have to d- make this huge shift with a bunch of your portfolio, but to not have 10 plus percent of your portfolio in small cap specifically, you're doing yourself an injustice from a diversification standpoint and long-term potential return. So I will tell you um, in my my own situation for my kids, my family, Um, my tilt has historically been to uh, to small cap and and really also small cap value. Um, And I deal with that volatility, but I know that it comes with better rewards. And so, you know, like I mentioned, the month of June so far, we've seen a pretty dramatic outperformance uh, of small cap over large cap. We just think that's getting started. So, you know, whenever we do get an economic recovery, you absolutely need to have money allocated to small cap stocks because that's where the juice is going to come from. But you need to get in there. And most of you, when we do our free retirement reviews, you're all allocated essentially just to U.S. large cap stocks, and that's worked really well over the last 15 years. But if we get a reversion to the mean, where people start to look at true diversification in parts of the market that haven't been working so well, we're going to see a big uh, flow into small cap, and you want to be there before that happens. So they're cheap. Uh, You know, a lot of this, they haven't recovered like the large cap market has uh, to the extent large cap stocks have. So there's still probably plenty of juice there. Um, but again, it comes with uh heightened volatility, so that two percent outperformance over the s and p over a long period of time um that there is a cost to that, and that comes with the you know with with the in more volatility so we 're not saying move all your money to this asset class, but like Josh and I said, when we do our free retirement views, we never see small or even mid cap exposure um you know it, it just is crazy to us, but you know we we feel like we i know we 've been beating this drum but but you all are missing this as a asset class that should be in your portfolios. All right, if you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review, Josh and I can tell you if you do have exposure to small cap stocks. Uh, call our office to get one of those appointments scheduled. If you have at least five hundred thousand dollars in investable assets, uh, the number here is eight hundred seven four three zero nine eight eight. Or you can go to our website northwestquadrantwealth.com and send us an email. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about why. You shouldn't be picking stocks and why the index will pick the winners for you. Stick around.
0: Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. with huge savings on DeWalt power tools and accessories going on now at Coastal.
3: Coastal Farm and Ranch, we are just what the country needs.
0: Dads in DeWalt Power Tools and Equipment are hard workers. Just in time for Father's Day, you'll find huge savings on our amazing selection of DeWalt at Coastal. Get a 60-volt trimmer and blower kit for Dad and get yourself a free 20-volt hedge trimmer. Save 35% on all DeWalt Power Tool accessories and hand tools. Plus, find special deals on DeWalt batteries and chargers, mowers and impact drivers, power washers, chainsaws, wet-dry vacs, safety products, air compressors, and storage. Selection may vary by store. Save on DeWalt for Dad at Coastal and sign up to win a 23 Ford F1 during the Coastal 60th Anniversary Celebration at CoastalCountry.com.
2: Coastal
0: Farm and Ranch, we're just what the country needs. Serving Central Oregon from Highway 97 in Redmond. The pests, mold, allergens, and odors under your home will eventually make it into your home. Terra Firma Foundation Systems reminds you, warming spring weather means added humidity under your home, and that can turn your unfinished crawl space into a greenhouse. The experts at Terra Firma Foundation Systems can provide a complete sealing of your crawl space. This spring, protect your family and improve the health of your home. Click GoTerraFirma.com and schedule a free evaluation. CCB 173547. Click GoTerraFirma.com. Um.
4: Hello, it's Mike with Highline Homes, and no matter where you are in your family story, Highline Homes has a home plan just for you. Take Ryan, for example. We were younger, and we were just kind of starting out. We'd been renting for several years, and really just like the partnership that we got with Highline Homes. Then there's Bernard, who built with Highline Homes just as he was getting set for retirement.
5: It's the quality of what they do. It's what really impressed me. All the people that came out and worked in our house were so skilled.
4: And Alice just appreciated how smooth the whole Highline Homes building process was from start to finish.
3: Highline takes all of the complication away from you. You're going to have a nice home when you're done, and you're going to have everything that works.
4: No matter where you are in your family's story, Highline Homes has a plan for you, and Highline Homes approved lenders have 100% financing offers, so the down payment doesn't have to be the obstacle that it might be otherwise. Get started now with floor plans, virtual tours, and more at HighlineHomes.com. Oregon CCB number 181069.
6: Highline Homes. On your lot on time, Bill right.
3: Well, I did it. I'm Leslie James, and you've been hearing me talk about my journey to reverse my osteoporosis for a couple of years now with OsteoStrong and Bend. I joined the OsteoStrong program and followed their advice, and according to my latest bone scan, I am osteoporosis free. I am living proof that it is possible with patience and dedication and my membership to OsteoStrong. Try it yourself. Mention you heard OsteoStrong on the radio and save 50% off your first month. Be better. Call OsteoStrong today.
0: Financial Focus Radio Show is online all the time via iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Catch past shows online or by finding us on iTunes.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. If you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I do a video uh, in the middle and end of every month where we talk about what's going on in the capital markets. So if you want to get added to our e-newsletter list, that's the only thing we'll send you go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, send us an email, just let us know you'd like, uh, to be added to our e-newsletter list. Um, so this is crazy. Uh, well, so it, it was crazier, but, uh, so Yardini Research, which is a research firm that looks at markets, uh, says that the American investors, so individual retail investors, owed a little bit over $650 billion in margin debt uh, entering the month of May. It actually peaked at a trillion dollars in 2021 when the market was at an all-time high. Um, but what, So what margin is is people uh, using their investment accounts uh, – uh, the, the the securities in their investment accounts as collateral to borrow money from their broker. To buy more securities or to do some sort of trading activity. So, let's say you have a, a million dollar investment account. Um, you know, some people borrow another three hundred fifty thousand or a million or five hundred thousand uh, of borrowed money to then buy other securities. Uh, and brokers love it. So, the Robin Hoods of the world, the Schwabs, all these firms, they love it because uh, guess what? They get to charge you interest because they're giving you a loan. The average interest rate on a margin loan for, if you look at all the big national uh, brokerage firms right now, uh, online or otherwise, is 11% plus. So to buy these securities, so let's say you borrow $100,000 uh, and you buy a security thinking it's going to go up, you're paying 11% to do that, <laughs> which is crazy to me that people are still doing it. I mean, $650 billion plus in margin loans at paying really high rates. And right, these these are higher rates than you're you're going to get elsewhere because you know they're backed by a mar- marketable security that will trade all over the place. So uh hopefully none of you are borrowing money in your brokerage account to buy securities, you should not be doing this at all for any reason. To short stocks, to do whatever, because it's really expensive money now. For a long time, it was relatively cheap, but it's gotten really expensive. Well, I've never the, been a proponent, whole, but the whole
2: rise of securities-based lending and the ultra-low rate market too was a little con- disconcerting, just because people were just selling, setting themselves up for a margin call.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the uber-wealthy, the big national firms were using it. they as were pushing sort of a selling it very point. hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, then also what's been interesting is, you know, the aggregate bond index is the S&P 500 of the bond world. So if you think about, you know, the bond, when people talk about the bond market, most likely they're talking about the aggregate bond index. Uh, it's been around since 1976 um and we are in the so right now uh the index has been in a drawdown essentially a sell off for 34 months which is by far the longest in history i'm looking at the chart of all the biggest drawdowns um and not only is this the longest by a, from a duration standpoint the next longest was 16 months um it's also the the largest percentage decline at over 17% so uh if you were feeling bond pain in your bond portfolio um it's because of that, but it's also because you have the wrong bonds in your portfolio. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, not the, the bonds that Josh and I own for our clients haven't been experiencing this because we own short-duration bonds, and, and obviously you could have avoided this. It was the biggest no-brainer in the history of investing, but for some reason, your advisor kept you in these long bonds. So uh, we, the one thing I'd tell you, though, is we don't think it's going to be one of these uh, get-better-anytime-soon for longer-duration uh, bonds. Okay, so I I mentioned in the teasing of this segment that we talk about uh, that you shouldn't be picking individual stocks, that the the stock market or the index will pick the winners for you. Um, And so, you know, Josh and I, hopefully if you listen long enough, you realize that we are indexers and we wholeheartedly believe in indexing, not because we want to per se, it's just because the data is overwhelming that you should be doing that. So if any of you out there are still picking individual stocks, you need to stop doing it because you're costing yourself money and wasting time. And so Josh, explain when we say, the market or the index will pick the winners for you what we actually mean by that uh when
2: you're when you're indexing all you're doing is betting on companies in proportion to their size and owning them all so for instance the most widely talked about index of course is the s p 500 which uh more or less represents the 500 largest companies in the United States by market capitalization. So, of course, Apple being the biggest company, a $2 trillion business, it's the biggest constituent in the index. It represents something about like 7.4% of the mm-hmm. the total S&P 500. Uh, and so Ma- Microsoft being the second biggest is about 7%. Google's four. Amazon's. Uh, or Amazon's fourth at 3%, Google's uh, third at 4%, so on and so forth. NVIDIA, you know, now being a trillion-dollar business, is a top five constituent in the index. But the idea is when you're market cap weighting, all you're doing is owning companies in proportion to their size. And so... The top 10 holdings when you do that are maybe close to a third of your overall portfolio, but you've also got another 490 constituents in there that you own tiny little bit of pieces of. And every year, uh, different indexes have different reconstitution rules, but they go in and they uh, refresh the index and they kick a couple of constituents out, they kick a couple of businesses out, and a couple of the rising stars from uh, the mid-cap universe will make it up into the S&P 500. But by doing that... You actually outperform uh, professional money managers that are trying to beat that index. And when you hear what the S&P 500 did, all it is is a weighted average of the performance of those 500 businesses that underlie it. And so Apple being the biggest holding, it's responsible for the most of the index's performance. As Apple goes... So goes a good chunk of the index. And, of course, as you've seen over the last few weeks, as the top 10 constituents go, so goes the whole index.
1: But the, the other thing is, you know, that's true of also um, the names that are going to eventually leave the top 10. So, you know, size. Is, Warren Buffett always says this, that size is the anchor of performance. The bigger you get, the harder it is to perform. And so if you look at the, S, the makeup of the S&P, over time, you know, there, Amazon was once a small company from a market cap perspective, right? And it rose up through the S&P and you owned it if you own the S&P. So all of the businesses that make up the top 10 were somewhere way down low in the S&P at one point. And if you own the S&P during that period and over that, uh, that whole run up – you have you own the best businesses and got some of that return now you didn't get it all because you didn't own the stock individually but um our point is that by indexing you're always going to own the biggest winners and the best companies in America from a stock performance perspective because they make it their way up through the market cap ranking right so they start really small and they don't have a huge influence and then the, as they grow revenue and grow everything that they're going to grow they keep going higher and higher so you look back and you look at the biggest constituents in the S&P Going back in 1980, it was IBM and AT&T, and you know, IBM held the top spot until 1990, and then it became General Electric, and General Electric held the top spot until 2005, and then it was Exxon Mobil, and now it's Apple. So that, you know, instead of picking those names, because I promise you, all of you out there at one point were thinking, you can't, you know, owning IBM is a no-brainer, or owning GE is a no-brainer. They have been disasters if you own them as an individual stock relative to what the S&P 500 has done, right? So if you bought IBM and just kept it, the S&P has, I mean, just danced on the grave of IBM from a stock performance perspective. Same with General Electric, but there was a time when everybody out there listening was saying, oh, the JE the, is the you have to own GE as an individual stock, but guess what? It then turn, went down uh, eighty well, percent, but the S and P didn't. And so our point is that you know. The names that you think are no-brainers now that are in the S&P 500 won't be even in the top 10 in the future. Um, but you don't have to worry about that if you own the S&P, right? Because the S&P is going to take care of that because the names that are going to become the future winners are somewhere in the index currently. You've
2: got to realize that ultimately stock picking, it's, like, it's literally like venture capital investing. 4% of all stocks
1: are responsible for the entire return of the index. And good luck picking the 4%. Yeah, good luck you finding those names. All right, if you'd like to be part of our show, you have a question for us or a comment, go to uh, send us or sorry, call us first 877-670-7117 or you can email us by going to our website northwestquadrilo.com. When we come back, there are some big there's some big retirement change right, retirement savings changes this year and next, and so we thought we'd go through some of those in case you didn't know. So stick around.
0: Weather.
6: fm 100.1 is news talk 1110 kbnd bend disasters happen and oregon faces a range of disaster threats including earthquakes floods and storms you can prepare now by taking three important steps step one contact your insurance company to make sure you have the right amounts and types of coverage step two Create a home inventory by taking photos or videos of your possessions in each room of your home. Step 3. Gather and make copies of important identifying and financial documents. Store them in the cloud or another secure location. These three actions can help you and your community be more resilient in the face of disaster. Be disaster ready by being insurance ready. Visit dfr.oregon.gov slash prepare now to learn how. This message brought to you by the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation, the Oregon Association of Broadcasters, and this station.
3: We love it here, and we think you will too. Welcome to Alpine Meadows. Beautifully kept landscaping, Alpine Meadows has one-bedroom apartments and two- and three-bedroom townhomes that include washer and dryer, beautiful decks, patios, and designer kitchens. Alpine Meadows is conveniently located next to the Dalles, California Highway and minutes away from Orchard Park's nature trails, a place proud to call home. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes, professionally managed by Norris & Stevens. You enjoy the
0: quiet life, but...
6: Because I dress...
0: You like being close to the action? Living that fits you is at Mountain Glen Apartments, located 5 minutes away from the Bend River Promenade and downtown area. Mountain Glen's units feature designer oak cabinets and their 2 and 3 bedroom units come with washer and dryer hookups. Relax with mountain views from your patio or deck. Mountain Glen Apartments bend corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road, professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. This fishing season
5: Central Oregon Sky Season at Finn and Fire Fly Shop is in full swing, and we're accepting bookings for Lower Deschutes River float trips. If you're new to fly fishing or an experienced angler, you'll enjoy a full day floating the scenic Deschutes River and fishing for feisty redside trout. This is definitely a trip you won't forget, so book online at finandfire.com or swing into the shop and schedule your trips today. As the summer approaches, look no further than Finn and Fire for everything you need for fly fishing. We have complete fly rod packages starting at $198, and you won't find a larger wader selection anywhere else in Central Oregon. From Sims, Patagonia, Squala, Grundens, and Orvis, we have the waders and boots you're looking for this season to get you into the river. So swing into the shop and talk with our experienced Fin & Fire staff to get the latest fishing reports and have us steer you in the right direction on your next river outing. Fin & Fire, on Highway 97 in Redmond, or shop with us anytime at finandfire.com
6: cashback is not available
4: on gas in new jersey and wisconsin john
5: what are you doing get in my car so why are you walking to work
4: (sighs) thanks man it's these insanely high gas prices they're draining my bank account i can't afford to drive anymore dude don't walk just do what i do because i never pay full price for gas anymore i use the free upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy oh wait you're telling me you get paid cash when you buy gas with the upside app yes i get real cash back every time i buy gas does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now.
3: Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code dollar for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's promo code dollar. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code dollar for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code dollar
0: The mission is clear. Give honest, transparent analysis and actionable advice every week. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube and get our twice-monthly
1: e-newsletter. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. Uh, this comes from Bloomberg, but uh, April marked the 13th consecutive month of contraction for the leading economic indicator index. Uh, that comes from the conference board. Going back in history, only two recessions have reached at least 13, and those uh, started in 1973 and 2007. Uh, I think it's one of those situations. I mean, you know, we're, we're there. I don't – it would be really hard to not imagine us going into a recession, right, with all the, ac- the economic data that we keep getting, but um, – <clears throat> Again, the Fed—it's going to be like a European
2: recession, where maybe, just maybe, we go inch negative quarter on quarter.
1: But well, I think the Fed does is it, really does trying life really change? to negotiate this? Well, if you don't make money, your your life's changing. But the Fed's trying to really sort of get this soft landing. Uh, I just—it's just such a hard thing to negotiate a soft landing. Um, this comes from the F- CEO of Ford. In the first quarter of this year, no one noticed, but we noticed that something monumental happened in our industry where China, or as Trump says, China, uh, became the number one exporter of vehicles globally. It had always been the Germans and the Japanese. And so it's quite interesting to think about that. Globally, China is now the biggest exporter of vehicles and Josh and I actually had lunch with a um, somebody that worked in China for a long time i worked for she worked for mercedes or Dyma Chrysler or whatever mercedes Benz uh, yeah and um, she was part, building uh those vans that everybody in Ben seems to want to have uh, in china and it, it was really interesting to hear b- about it uh, her experience because <laughs> it's a very different uh The work climate for building uh, vehicles in China is very different than it is in, say, Detroit uh, or even in Japan or in Germany. And so it's very very interesting to see what the uh, vehicle landscape looks like in the next 20 or 25 years around the world, right, as China becomes uh, this manufacturing. I mean, it's always been a manufacturing force, but generally on stuff. Car
2: making is perhaps the most politically sensitive uh, big capital good export Industry that everyone wants to protect.
1: You mean in the United States? Well, in Europe, in South Korea. Yeah, it's just that it's, nobody has the nobody has the sort of fortitude and like the Chinese. You know, it's just they, so employment intensive. They're so willing to suffer and make their people suffer that you know, you know, the Germans and in, in America and in Japan, were just not willing to do what they are. Uh, in China. And, you know, at the end of the day, how much things cost matters.
2: I know. I'm just really curious to see what the uptake rate of uh, Chinese-made vehicles will be in the United States and whether or not they can replicate the rise of
1: the Korean I don't know that it has to be just in the United States. It could be, you know, there's a lot of people. Well, there. developing markets, I think it'll they'll absolutely take over. Right. And that's probably where the, the, the money is obviously going to be made, just in like building lots of little crappy cars. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not going to be able to tow a boat with a little Chinese car, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so don't know uh, that you would want to. Uh, whatever, if it if it works, I don't. I mean, yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I I do like I've my last two cars have been American. Well, more than the last two, but most of my cars I've ever bought have been American cars and or trucks, I should say, and uh, they seem to work okay. Um, all right, so the SECURE Act, uh, there was SECURE Act 2 or 1.0, which was signed by Trump, and then there's SECURE Act 2.0, which was signed by Biden. Both had changes to uh, had what we do in the investment advice business as it relates to retirement plans and all sorts of things. Um, and so I thought we'd go through them because some of them are pretty impactful to a lot of you out there listening. and You probably don't really even know about them. So here are the, some of the key changes uh, for 2023. So this year... The age for taking the mandated annual withdrawal, known as your required minimum distribution or RMD, is raised to 73 from 72. So that's true in uh, in 2023, um, and in 2033, the age will rise uh, from 73, where it is this year, to 75. So that's the changes uh, to the RMD for this year is that it's now 73. originally it started at 70 and a half, uh, and the original secure act raised it to 72. And now the secure act 2.0 is 73. Uh, the penalty for a missed RMD, uh, used to be 50%. So if you didn't take your RMD, it used to be a 50% penalty of the amount plus taxes. Um, And now it's 25% and it's 10% if you correct it in a timely manner. And the problem with that word timely is I can't define that for you. (laughs) It's up to the IRS. But if they deem that you corrected, your not taking your RMD and you do, it'll be a 10% penalty. Uh, But if you don't do it in a timely manner, it's still only 25%. It's half of what it was. I'm not really sure why they did that, but um, they did. So... um, there's a statute of limitation uh, that was created regarding your RMD. Uh, the IRS can impose a penalty for three years. If, you, if the th- more than three years goes by, <laughs> they're not going to impose the penalty. <laughs> oh, man, the IRS is a funny, funny organization. Um, now, this is, this is one of those where this comes from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we, we know this is part of it, but it hasn't been changed on the IRS website. Uh, we, we, and, lo- we looked in and,
2: preparation for this segment. And
1: that is Roth contributions supposedly starting this year can be made to a SEP IRA or a simple IRA. Now, we're not sure that that's in fact true. The Wall Street Journal is telling us this, uh, and, and this was part of the, secure, you know, the CARES Act uh, 2.0, SECURE Act 2.0. Um, you know, if you look in the language, it says that that's true. But the IRS on their website still says you can't make a Roth contribution to a simple or a SEP. Uh, So I guess that's still to be determined. But 2023,
2: January 1st was the date which you were supposedly able to start doing it. So
1: and we will tell you that, you know, we would tell you that if you're in that position, um, because there's no income limits, obviously on a SEP. So most people contributing to a SEP are making a lot of money if they're maxing that out. And so if you can make that as a Roth contribution, that's a huge, huge difference. And so It affects Josh and I as well, and so um, we'll let you know as soon as the IRS deems it to be okay. I mean, it's it was part of the Secure Act, so you know you should have a leg to stand on because it's in the it's in it's in there. But I think most custodians don't know how to code that stuff yet. in 2023, employer matching contributions uh, can go towards your Roth account. So if you have a Roth 401k, previously the employer match amount had to go into the traditional account, traditional IRA account. In 2023, as part of the Secure Act, uh, your employer match in your 401k can also be made, made to your Roth account. Now, again, I don't know that every 401k is set up for that to be true, but it, uh, you know, a lot of them uh, have made that change um, there's now additional exceptions that uh, now exist to the 10% early distribution penalty from a retirement plan. So, if you you know there was a 10% penalty if you took money before 59 and a half, uh, but there there's some additional exceptions that include terminal illness, illness, net income attributable to excess contributions, uh, and some other things. Um, and then there's a one-time only $50,000 charitable. Uh, distribution to a charitable gift annuity, a charitable remainder trust or a charitable remainder annuity trust is allowed. Previously, no benefits were permitted when taking a qualified charitable distribution. So that's a, a big one. Uh, next year, the change is $1,000 catch-up contribution to IRAs and 401ks for those 50 and older will be indexed to inflation. So um, you know that, that catch-up contribution is going to be indexed. Um, the qualified charitable distributions are, so are going to be indexed to inflation. Uh, this is a big one for anybody with a 529. I know I'm going to do this. Beneficiaries of 529, so the kid, uh, 529 is a college kid savings account, can roll up to $35,000 of leftover funds to a Roth IRA in the name of the 529 beneficiary. Uh, the rollers are subject to Roth IRA annual contribution limits, so you can only do it at $6,000 a year. Um, and the 529 must have been in place for 15 years. So that's a big one. I know that I'm going to hold back uh, 35000 from my kids' 529 so that um, I can start converting that when, as long as they have the earned income uh, to, to Roth for them. Because remember, if you can do that for an 18-year-old, it makes a, a huge, huge difference. Um, and Roth contributions are no longer going to be subject to RMD during the owner's lifetime since the money's already been taxed. So there's a bunch of uh, changes in 2023, 2024. If you want to go on the Wall Street Journal website, it's called, the article is called Retirement Saving Changes You Should Know About for 2023, 2024. Um, a lot of you are not taking advantage of them, and there's some pretty big ones that have pretty material impact to you. All right, if you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement review, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get one of those appointments scheduled the number here 800-743-0988 or go to our website northwestquadrantwealth.com send us an email let us know you'd like a free retirement review Uh, this happens to be josh's favorite song and favorite movie Uh, when we come back we'll tackle some of your emails so stick around
0: get your free one-hour retirement review meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's all offered to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
3: Find all your outdoor active wear at 40 to 60% off at Nike, Eddie Bauer, and Columbia. Your favorite running and hiking shoes are on sale at Rack Room Shoes. And don't forget about Columbia's pop-up clearance center in Space 150 for huge deals on Sorrel and Frana products. Get exactly what you need without breaking the bank at Bend Factory Stores. Smart shoppers start at the Bend Factory Stores, South Highway 97. Because everyone needs an outlet. We love it here, and we think you will, too. Welcome to Alpine Meadows. Beautifully kept landscaping, Alpine Meadows has one-bedroom apartments and two- and three-bedroom townhomes that include washer and dryer, beautiful decks, patios, and designer kitchens. Alpine Meadows is conveniently located next to the Dalles, California Highway and minutes away from Orchard Park's nature trails, a place proud to call home. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes, professionally managed by Norris & Stevens.
0: You enjoy the quiet life, but you like being close to the action. Living That Fits You is at Mountain Glen Apartments, located five minutes away from the Bend River Promenade and downtown area. Mountain Glen's units feature designer oak cabinets, and their two- and three-bedroom units come with washer and dryer hookups. Relax with mountain views from your patio or deck. Mountain Glen Apartments Bend, corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road, professionally managed by Norris & Stevens. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply available at babbel.com slash TNC. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel.
3: Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic.
0: I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right.
3: It's incredible. After using Babbel, I'm ready to start having real conversations in French. There's all kinds of
4: ways to learn. Use Babbel's podcasts or games or videos. You can even
0: join live classes with a language teacher. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. Babbel.
3: Babbel. Babbel. Evidemment. Text RADIO to 64000 to try Babbel for free. That's RADIO to 64000 to try Babbel free. R-A-D-I-O to 64000. Nurses at St. Charles keep disappearing. In the past few years, more than 500 nurses have left their jobs due to dangerous working conditions and low wages. That's why the nurses who remain are fighting for a fair contract. One that improves working conditions, makes healthcare affordable, and pays a fair wage so nurses can afford to live here. St. Charles should be a place where nurses want to work. Visit respectournurses.com and tell St. Charles to put an end to the crisis of disappearing nurses.
0: your free retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant investment advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Call us today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
1: Well, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. So, um, you know, there's talk all the time on the radio, television, people out in the world anecdotally always say this to me. They say, well, when rates go back down, when rates go back down, and I think, like, wait a second, your mind, and I know that most people of a certain age uh, or younger remember most of their life when interest rates were low. Like where we are now is the highest they've been probably in their lifetime. And so most of their adult life and most of their professional life, rates have been uh, artificially low, meaning that there's been manipulation to keep rates artificially low. And so but, but a lot of people think that's normal and that that's all been very abnormal. And so um, y- and the reason I'm bringing this up is that we have lessons that uh, in history that tell us that we're probably not going to go back there. And that is and, and Jerome Powell, who's the current chairman of the Federal Reserve, knows those lessons and he sort of quotes those lessons every chance he gets. And not all of uh, you know, some of us realize what he's doing. But um, the Fed has made lots of policy decision mistakes over their existence, right? Um, but if you go back the last time we had way above average inflation, the Fed, um, there was the same sense out there that the Fed, you know, would be able to cut rates again or, or leave rates where they are uh, or cut rates even and that inflation was tame and that it wouldn't come back. Well, that happened in the 70s and early 80s. Um, and you know, essentially, markets in 1972 traded at a 1, and 1982, the S and P was still at thousand, or the Dow was still at a thousand. So the market did nothing for a decade uh, because th- the Fed was dealing unsuccessfully with inflation. Uh, you know, they had some uh, policy-making decisions that weren't very good from a Republican and a Democratic administration at the time, with wage cuts and or wage. Uh, 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 they had uh, wage. Um, Price controls. Yeah, price controls, sorry, and wage freezes. Anyway, so my point is that the Fed knows those lessons where the Fed sort of backed off too soon and inflation came roaring back. And when you have to double down to get to tame inflation the next time, it takes a lot more heavy lifting and a much worse recession. And so... All of you out there, I mean, maybe rates go will go lower. I don't know ultimately what's going to happen, but I just look at history and I say, you know, the Fed realizes that it, if they uh, don't really tame inflation for good, meaning like it's sort of like a forest fire that, that you think is out and it's really still burning in the soil and then it comes raging back, that's inflation. And if the Fed doesn't really put it out for good, it will come back and it'll come back with a vengeance and then the Fed will have to double down and rates will end up ultimately at a higher place. And so... I would I would stop making decisions, whether they're professional decisions or investment decisions, thinking that rates are going to go back to where they were when they were very abnormal. Where they are now and even higher than where we are now are normal. That's like normalization of rates. And so if you are making decisions thinking that rates are going to be cut in half from where they are again, I would probably stop thinking that way because uh, I don't imagine that's going to happen. All right, let's tackle some emails. We got an email from Jack in Redmond. Jack says – I have both a Roth IRA and a health savings account, HSA. My question is, which one should I max out? It seems like the triple tax benefits offered by the HSA make it the best option. So what, jo- what Jack is talking about is uh, we, we know the benefits of a Roth IRA, right? It's, you're making after-tax con- contributions to a Roth IRA. It grows tax-deferred, and it comes out tax-free when you take it out. Um, so that's a, the advantage of the Roth. Now, the HSA or health savings account, uh, you get a triple tax benefit. And and before I explain that, uh, HSA or health savings account is one of the best uh, options out there to save for retirement, but not everybody can have one. So in order to have a health savings account, you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan. Um, you know one if you have one, I mean, if you are in a group plan, chances are if you work for a big, really big company, you probably don't have one, but uh, there are, they are becoming more and more common, a high deductible health insurance plan. Um, and if you have one, you know you have it because your deductible before your insurance pays is is pretty high. I know I think my family out-of-pocket max is something like $15,000 a year uh, before my insurance starts paying, and unfortunately we get there every year. But I, I'm okay with it because we have this high, uh, this option of a health uh, health, uh, HSA. And so what I mean by the triple tax advantage is when you contribute to the HSA, so you can contribute as an individual 3,800 and, a, as a family 7,300 annually, you get the tax deduction. So just like in a traditional IRA, when you make a contribution, it's a tax, it's a, it comes off your income. HSA is the same thing. So you get that deducted no matter your income limits. So you can make $4 million a year. You contribute to your HSA. That's still a deduction off your income. It grows tax. Free or tax-deferred. And then as long as you use that money for health care-related sp- expenses, including premiums, so you can use it for Medicare premiums, uh, then it comes out tax-free. So that's when I say triple tax-free or Jack says triple tax-free. That's what he means. Um, it is, it is really awesome. And so what I say is that you know it's, people say, well, you have to use it for health care expenses. Believe me, you're going to have health care expenses in retirement, uh, and they're going to be higher than you think they are. So if you have 250000 in your HSA, that's not too much. You'll still be fine. You'll be able to use that because, again, remember, you can pay premiums out of that. And remember, for a lot of people, there's a big donut hole uh, in terms of uh, what Medicare pays and what it doesn't, and then you know p- prescription, all that stuff, um, and so, Jack, I would tell you to ma- if it's between the two, uh, you-, you should probably max out the HSA from a tax perspective, but understanding the rules of how the HSA works in retirement—that you're going to have to use it for healthcare-related expenses. The Roth, you can use it for anything. You can use it to go to Prague. HSA—that doesn't count going to Prague. I think that's you think P- Prague is funny, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I'll do this email uh, Tom W. here in central Oregon my, he says, my wife, you can tackle this one. My wife and I are set to retire in three years. Should we start moving our portfolios to have a more income producing tilt i e. dividend focused stocks and bonds? Uh, no, uh, you know
2: the way to look at this always is as a total return investor. The way that you need to look at it, because you're going to be taking income, you need buckets to pull your risk reducing bucket specifically for when we have inevitably bear markets. In times like 2021, uh, you might be able to take from the return-enhancing the stock side of your portfolio and sell some of your stock to generate the income you need. But in a year like 2022 uh, or early 2023, you're, in fact, going to be taking distributions from the bond, the risk-reducing side of your portfolio. So, no, don't shift to income-producing inv- income investments. Uh, You should always own uh, income-producing investments in retirement in the form of fixed income, bonds. Uh, And in our case, that's short-duration treasuries, which happen to pay about 5.5% risk-free, which for many people is actually sufficient to meet their income need. But no, don't change the complexion of your portfolio simply because you're approaching retirement. And please don't take an income emphasis. Uh, Look how income investors did uh, in the wake of interest rate increases. You weren't getting properly compensated to take uh, dividend-specific, income-specific risk.
1: Yeah, or I mean, you should never. We, you know, our peers want to do that, but Josh is right. Don't do it. All right, that's our show this week. Thanks for joining us. Remember, buy low, sell high. We'll see you next week.
0: Any opinions expressed herein are given in good faith and are subject to change without notice and are only correct at the stated date of issue. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. Prices, values, or income from an investment mentioned in this report may fall against the interest of the investor, and the investor may get back less than the amount invested. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as a recommendation of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies to you. Before acting on any recommendation on this material, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstances and if necessary seek professional advice.